0: and the planet, just a little more. Hi everyone, welcome to today's episode of Air and Earth Podcast. I'm really excited because today we have someone really exciting on the show. Her name is Karen Salmonson, and she was formerly a, a VP in advertising And she was extremely stressed out. Um, She was freaking rocking the job. But, you know, just didn't feel like her heart was in it. And she left the job. And she started writing books and designing books. And now, years later, she has sold over 2 million copies of her books that are about happiness, about about prosperity, about mindfulness, and I really look up to this woman after talking to her. We talk some about her personal story as well and how she turned what she calls turning pain into purpose. So listen in. This is an awesome episode. I just want to give you all a few reminders before we dive into the interview. I want to let you know that Worthy is now open. Worthy is my two-month program. It is a growth program that is based in mindfulness and compassion. So it's about how to grow sustainably, how to grow through the challenges, and how to grow in a way that is truly our version of what success and fulfillment means to us So enrollment will be open for a few weeks. How it works is if you are interested in the course, which you can click. There's a link down below in the show notes that will tell you more about the course. If you are interested, you can sign up for a call with me. My calls are booking up pretty quickly. This is the last time I'm running the program for the next six months. But sign up for a call and we talk about the program and see if it is a good fit for you with where you are in your life. So click the link down below in the show notes to book a call time with me and we'll get on a little chat. I also want to remind you all that I have a retreat coming up in Iceland from October 10th through October 15th. It is with one of my very dear friends, Michaela, who is a Vancouver-based yoga teacher. I'm going to be teaching meditation, journaling, personal development, things like that. But it's going to be an absolutely beautiful trip in Iceland with lots of hiking and lots of adventure. So there's also a link down below where you can check out that. Last but not least, I want to remind you that I have a free guide out this week. It is called Nine Mindset Shifts to Embrace Your Worthiness, and it is... Yeah, it's nine mindset shifts. So each shift included in the free guide has journaling prompts, reading exercises, affirmations. There's also a guided meditation included in it. All you have to do is click the link down below in the show notes and enter your email and it will come straight to your inbox, everything that you need. So if you're ready to embrace your worthiness, go check out that free guide. Those are all the reminders for today. So as always, I ask you to please continue sharing this podcast. I see your shares all the time on Instagram and it makes my heart so freaking happy. I love resharing your Instagram stories to my story about you listening into the podcast and I I just appreciate it so much. So keep sharing, tell your friends, please subscribe, rate, review. It means so much to me, honestly. I love making this podcast. I think we're in the 30s now. This might be the 30th episode. I'm not even sure, but I love making this podcast, and I can't wait to continue making it, and you sharing and telling your friends really helps me to grow the audience and get the word out and keep the motivation to keep doing it. I love showing up here every week and creating this for you all. And I just appreciate the support so very much. So thank you. So now let's dive into the interview with Karen. I think you all are really going to love this episode. I really loved talking to her so much and felt really inspired by her. And I know a lot of us share similar ideas about what we want in our lives. And she's really created a beautiful life for herself. So I can't wait for you all to listen in. Let's dive in. Hi, Karen. First of all, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show. I can't wait to hear more of your story. And I, I really admire your work and your writing. And I think I'm going to learn a lot from listening to you. And I think the listeners are as well. So thank you.
1: Well, thank you for inviting me. I've, I've been checking out your work and I'm, I'm excited to be here. You're great.
0: Oh, that's so sweet. Well, I really want to take it back and I really resonate with a lot of the parts of your story, especially I'm someone who recently within the past year transitioned careers. And I know that's something that you did as well. You were a VP in advertising and you made the transition to something that feels perhaps more fulfilling and more, um, more like it's using your gifts to benefit others. And I would love to hear that story about that shift in, more about what you're doing now as well okay great um well we'll go back a couple decades
1: I guess (laughs) we'll go back to when I first graduated college I went into advertising and I thought I was gonna love it because I love psychology I love filmmaking and I thought we'd make commercials I was both a verbal person. I like, loved writing, but I also loved visuals. I thought, "Oh, advertising! I'm going to get to do all that fun stuff." But as it turned out, it was like very political in its nature. I, I joke that I could like couldn't drink a glass of water without it spurting out the knife holes in my back because mm. there were a lot of you know, this very aggressive people in the business. And um, and then on top of that. Um, It was a business that did a lot of focus groups. Do you you know what a focus group is? I don't, I guess they do them sort of now, but they're more like surveys. But back then it was like rooms of people. Have you
0: heard, do they do that still? Focus groups? I'm not sure, but I, I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, but you can explain it a little more in case someone doesn't. Yeah. They would
1: test everything. They'd take, before they ran with something, they would get groups of people together. The only good part about it is they had like, you know, good lunches. You'd sit behind like a one-way mirror and then hear people talk about your storyboard for a commercial before like they would shoot the commercial. Mm -hmm. And I remember one time my art director and I were given a commercial to write and produce on the same, same day that he found out that his wife was pregnant and his wife gave birth to a baby before we actually produced the TV commercial. So it's easier to produce a live human being than a TV commercial because of all the focus groups. It was just like, everything was being, Oh my God. It was like, you know, very frustrating.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine
1: so I was like okay and then there are a bunch of other things and then finally I was like I've got to get out of this business but I was doing well so they call it like the golden handcuffs you know yeah. and yeah, I, right you know what I mean
0: yeah yeah, I know what you're talking about
1: <laughs> and I, I kept threatening to quit and then my parents kept saying how can you quit you're doing so well and being a writer doesn't make any money you know and they were like you know right to be concerned but I thought if I'm doing well at something that I, at the point I really did not like, um, that if I applied my skill sets to something that I was passionate about, that I thought in my mind, well, I'll just do well at that, you know? And ironically, if I had been sucking, then I probably would stay out of fear. But I thought I can apply these skills and, and do well as a writer. So I quit and and i didn't tell my parents for like a couple of weeks.
0: <laughs> oh really? Yeah,
1: cuz i knew they kept talking me out of it. So i was just oh. like
0: So how long were you in advertising before you changed? You were you were still pretty young, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was um i quit like in my late 20s. Uh i think my late 20s, maybe yeah, i think late 20s. And um and then I was—I had started to write a book while I was still in advertising, a novel, and I—I um, I, I felt like, okay, this will be my first project, and I had enough freelance. I figured, you know, if things go really sour, I, you know, I had saved up money, so I—I I finished up my novel and I worked very hard on it. And part of my work was staying positive about it. And so while I was writing it. I used to go to bookstores and like envision my book on the bookstore shelf and my last name is Salmonson and I realized I'd be next to Salinger, you know, J.D. Salinger, catcher yes. in
0: the Rye.
1: So I was like, oh, I'm going to have a nice book neighbor, Salinger, Salmonson, you know, oh. and I would just envision it. I would go to bookstores often. There's going to be my book and I would just like imagine it, you know, <laughs> to stay positive. Yeah. And um, and then I wrote my novel, and there's more to the story, but I'm talking a lot, so I'll cut myself off. And then um, and then I sold the book and, and went on, and and I sold it to St. Martin's Press, and then to Miramax to be, um, I got option to be a book, uh, option to be a movie rather uh, to star uh, Marissa Tomei.
0: And, wow!
1: Ugh. But. It, yeah, so a lot of things happened and then now I do books. <laughs> so that's like the long story cut short. <laughs> um,
0: I I love that story. I I resonate with it so much and I know that there's a lot of people who will be listening in who will say, "Oh my gosh, I want I I want to do that. I want to do that." But it's so you know, like you said, the golden handcuffs when you're in a place where you're like, but this career is stable, but I have benefits, but I have salary and all of this. And I, you know, I know my schedule and everything. It's, it's hard to break those handcuffs and be like, I'm just going to dive into this other thing that I have no idea what I'm going to be doing and how the income will come and how, you know, but like you said, if you, If you recognize that you have skills, you have, you are intelligent, you have these gifts and they might even be used better in a different area and be more helpful to others. That the support, you know, slowly you will, you will start to trust that the support comes and you can do it. Yes.
1: Yes. And I, I made sure like when I look back and I kind of um, reverse engineer what I did you know, because at the time I was just kind of winging it, I guess. But I, I made sure that I had enough of the book written that I felt, okay, I believe in this book. Like I didn't just quit with no book. Right, like, right. And and then I also had enough savings. Yes, you know? yes, yes. Um. And then I had the fallback of freelance. So I had certain logical things, so it wasn't just like skydiving without a parachute. Right. <laughs> so.
0: yeah, that's so important. That's so important. So, tell us a bit about what are your books what are, what are the topic of your books? what what are, what do you most love to share about? Hmm.
1: Well, I well, I started off as a as a funny writer, and I still love to share everything with a little bit of humor. I've always used humor, like in my own life, even to help me. And I feel like um, people learn better. I, I gave a TED Talk fun as a high performance skill. People learn better when things are funny, so mm-hmm. all my books have like humor in it. And uh, my first book was the novel, and I actually at that point I met John Stewart, the comedian, and I. I'd given my novel to him to read and he read it while he was on the road and he called me up and he said, I read your novel. He wasn't yet like wildly famous. He was just like kind of on the way. He said, I read your novel and it's really funny. You're like a stand-up comic, blah, blah, blah. And so I said to him, you know, John, I'm a stockbroker's daughter. My dad is a financial advisor and I see you as a stock that's going to go up. I said this to him. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I want a blurb from you that I can use later because I I think you're going to be really famous someday, I said. If only I could have invested in Jon Stewart's stock, I'd be very rich. Oh, my I, gosh. I just could see that he was going to go places. and And he said, okay, and then he wrote down a blurb and gave me a, a blurb saying that he thought I was as funny as a stand-up comedian. So I actually probably am the I think I might be the only self-help book author with a um, with a blurb from John Stewart saying that I'm funny. So um, so he I write funny. That's my thing. And so I have a bunch of books. I have like um, How to Be Happy Damn It is one of my books uh, where I kind of share a range of different things in that book, everything from, you know, psychology to Buddhism to shamanism, like a little bit of everything. And, and then I have a bounce back book. It's called that and it had a red, red rubber cover on the outside and inside our resiliency psychology tools. And my newest book is called instant calm. And that one has these two minute meditations in it that are like fun to do. Mm. And I kind of write, you know, from things that I'm in the midst of going through. And if I am kind of, I go into research geek mode, like when I have a problem, I just kind of call up. I try to get interviews with people that are experts in their field. I read through a lot of research and then I take everything And I write it up in a way that's like funny and fun to read. And then because I love design, I kind of sneak in some stylized graphics and illustrations and I make it, I say self-help for people wouldn't be caught dead doing self-help or self-help that you can give to a friend as a gift and they're not going to punch you because it looks kind (laughs) of cool.
0: Yeah, I love that. Um, the t- Some of the titles of your books are so funny, um, like <laughs> How to Succeed Without a Penis. Oh, yeah. You saw that one. Yeah. <gasps> I didn't see that. Yeah. It's, and I love that you use humor. I mean, I think it makes it, you know, everyone in some way or capacity needs a little bit of support. And I think this is a very approachable approach. And I... I just really admire that a lot. Um, and about Jon Stewart, that's hilarious. You know, <laughs> that insight, so clever. Yeah. So clever. Oh, thank you. So
1: good. he good. I have like so many little Jon Stewart stories throughout the years. He, he's popped up every once in a while. I haven't seen him for a couple of years, but um, I saw him at an Apple store this is my most recent. I'll just tell you because it's kind of funny. It has nothing to do with anything. It's
0: just a good story. It's
1: a good story. I get to name drop John Stewart in it. And it's just yeah. silly. the silly one. I was at the Apple store. I just moved into my apartment. I moved apartments and I was at the Apple store getting my laptop fixed for something. And um, I was waiting in the you know I don't Apple stores are I'm sure they're all the same. You wait and then the the Apple Genius comes to get you, and I was waiting, and I saw John Stewart, and I hadn't seen him in a while—not since my story from like maybe five years. Every five years, I have my John Stewart encounter, but I haven't had one anyway. So I see him, and I go over, and I go, "Hey, John, how are you?" And he reckoned, I'm like, "You remember? Oh, sure, I remember you." We're talking and everything, and um, and then the uh the the genius. Uh, the the Apple genius says, okay, Karen Salmonson. And so I'm like, Oh, I'm, and I cut John Stewart off in the middle of a sentence. I felt very bad. I'm like, Oh John, I I gotta go. It was, and then I went to talk with the Apple genius guy. And he was like, you know, John Stewart. I'm like, well, you know, and I told him my little story. And then I had to do all this computer stuff, set it up in my new apartment. And because I bumped into John Stewart, he was like, I'll come to your house, I'll set up everything. And so oh then, thanks to John Stewart, I had him come and set up all this technology, stereo speakers, everything. Because I bumped into John, so thank you, John. Thank you.
0: Thanks, John. If John. John, if you're listening to the podcast. Oh, my gosh. That's so yeah. funny. That is so funny. Okay. I want to talk about your book a little later, but I have another question first. Mm-hmm. I might go into some more of your story. So another – there's a phrase that I, I've seen you use that I, I really resonate with, and that is turning pain into purpose. And I was wondering if you would explain a little bit about that in your own life and maybe a little bit about how, how, yeah, how others can kind of tap into that too. Mm. Well, I mean, that is a big philosophy of mine. I feel
1: like, well, I believe that we're all here for a purpose, and the purpose is to learn lessons that help us to become our our highest level self. So every time I'm dealt with a challenge, I I think I really go into a curiosity of like, okay, what am I supposed to be learning here? You know, (laughs) and I try to turn all of my pain into a purpose by finding meaning in everything, insights, growth opportunities. And and writing books is like, a definite surefire way to turn pain into purpose because um, I get to share what I've gone through. And so people don't feel like they're the only ones out there, you know, being plucked out to suffer. Like we all have our challenges, every person on this planet. And so, and then I share, as I said, I love to go into research geek mode. So I share everything I've researched, and i pull out the best of it like i i do the curating of the best stuff that has helped me through this and i also believe that sometimes people don't change until they have crisis so i i say turning pain into purpose but i also say turning crisis pain into crisis fuel because sometimes you have to go through something that's so painful to want to get out of your comfort zone. See, we cling to the familiar because the unknown is so scary. But when you're in crisis pain, suddenly the unknown doesn't look as scary, you know? So um, I I also see that as an opportunity for positive change. So there's some connection there between turning pain into purpose and, and crisis pain becoming crisis fuel. You have more energy. I mean, sometimes you have to reach... To hell with this! To get to post to hell with this, where you're finally ready to make some changes in your life. Pain wakes you up like that.
0: I love, I love that. Turning. So, repeat that again. Crisis pain becomes crisis fuel. Yes, yes.
1: it does. Because oh, we, we need something.
0: Phrase. Oh my gosh! Right. So true too. It's so true.
1: Right. Yeah. Everything has, has done that for me. Um, you know, I could see from a lot of the challenges I've gone through, I can, you you have to, it has to be mindful, you know, you have to put in the effort, um, to make the choice to really kind of like dig around in the crappy stuff and find those little golden nuggets. Like you have to put your hand in it. Like I'd almost picture the visual of it digging around and all the mud and the, and then you're like, Oh, I found the golden nugget. You have to do
0: that. Yeah. Because it can be so easy to just say, okay, I'm not going to look at this. I'm just going to, and we all have, you know, different ways that we'll numb ourselves to pain. Yes. The more we do that, we just kind of, lose track of of who we really are where if we can dive into those painful moments that's where our strength and that's where our our integrity and what we really believe in and what makes us individual can come from
1: definitely definitely
0: so i i love that i really love that a lot yeah and i was wondering too if you would perhaps share a little bit about your story. I love getting, (laughs) I get, I get kind of personal sometimes, Mm -hmm. um, on the podcast and I think people would, yeah, would really resonate with how you specifically turned your pain into purpose and your, your crisis pain into crisis fuel. Um,
1: well, I would say behind every book or video course I've created is a story of that pretty much. Yeah. So, um, I, well, the way I used to numb things was I, I would stress eat. Mm. So I, so crisis pain becoming crisis fuel. Okay. So I am a late in life mom and I, I ha- I got pregnant on purpose, in my late late forties, and um, and uh, I wound up stress eating during the pregnancy and after my son was born, and I gained a lot of weight. And my doctor called me up one day and said that um, I had high cholesterol, and uh, you know, and that my you know basically my health was not doing so great because of this extra weight gain. And that was crisis pain. And giving me crisis fuel to change, you know, Uh, along with the fact that I was a late in life mom. And I, if anything, I had the goal to live as long as possible for my son's sake and more than ever, you know. And so... I decided to be like a total research geek and kind of understand like, why am I doing this? You know, like I, I have discipline in so many other areas of my life, you know, work discipline and discipline and, you know, so working out and, you know, I, why was I stress eating? And I kind of got curious about it and, and then I researched to actually show discipline in researching. I researched so much about this, interviewed people. And then I developed these kind of psychological tools to help me to finally stop. And, and then I did, and I lost like, um, 20 pounds in three months, and I've kept the weight off for years now. And I turned it into a video course because I wanted to help other people and my friends were saying also, like, how did you do this? You know, so I turned that into a video course. So that's turning, you know, pain into purpose, wanting to help others. Um, and I also wrote a longevity book because then I just kind of really became aware of wanting to live longer for my son. I had um promised my son that I'd do everything to live to a hundred. And he asked me to live to 200, but I bargained him down to 100. <laughs> and, and then I researched everything again, went into, I kind of just go into research geek mode. That's pain and purpose. And, and then I wrote a longevity book too. And so I kind of, you know, I get, I get proactive when something you know, challenging shows up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. So now I want to talk about your latest book is called instant calm. Mm -hmm. Um, will you share a little bit about the book and maybe some of the, some examples of practices or why, why it's important to, to practice this instant calming for ourselves?
1: Sure. Um, well, from being um, a stress eater I, you know i have I have had problems with anxiety, like suffering from like what do I do with this stress you know and after I stopped channeling it into stress eating I, I still had, okay well, what do I do with this stress what do I do with this anxiety and I started to turn to meditation more and more to help me. And I really fell in love with meditation and so much. So I guess, again, I I do have a pattern here. I, I became a research geek and I decided, you know, I'm going to study to be a meditation teacher and a yoga teacher because I became so curious. Why does this work so well? So I, I did, I, I did intensive yoga teacher training and meditation teacher training to just really try to understand the principles and, really advanced my practice. And from that, I developed, again, certain tools. I realized in my own life, I was so busy. And I know from friends and family and even clients, everybody's like, I don't have time to meditate, or I hate meditation. Mm -hmm. So I found a way to kind of create these fun, simple two minute meditations that are based on your different senses, like sight, sound, smell, taste. And you kind of use one of each of these senses and each of the different meditations as a grounding tool. You focus on that sense in a fun way. Again, if you make something fun, you're more likely to do it. And um, and then I started to share these tools with my, my son, who is just like, I think I started sharing them with him when he was like six. And he had fun doing them. And I thought, wow, if you could get a six-year-old to do these meditation tools there's something here and so then i developed it into a book instant calm which is coming out in august
0: mm, that's so exciting
1: yeah yeah so and and they're all different fun simple sensory meditations based on like i said the different senses which i could share a few if you want
0: yeah that would be so great i'm I completely agree that meditation is so so powerful. It's been powerful in my life and yeah, the senses have a way to bring you back to the present. So I would I would love to hear some of these practices.
1: Sure. Sure. Well, there's like a gazillion in the book. There's something for everybody from beginners mm-hmm. to advanced. But one of the ones that I think I'll share, I'm trying to figure out my mind. I'm going through them. Um, maybe my shower power meditation, because it's a good one, because it's it's good for busy people because people are, I don't have time. I don't have time. And this is one that you can kind of multitask into something you, al- you already do, which is shower. And you could do this every morning and it's just so easy to do. And you when you're in the shower... This one's a touch meditation, and it's G-rated. You're in the shower, and <laughs> you feel the water coming down on you. And Just become aware of the power of touch. What does the water pressure feel like? Become aware. Where is it hitting your body? What does it feel like? And then become aware of the temperature, the hot, the cold. Does the temperature change a little? Does it stay con- constant? Just be really aware of the feeling of the water on you. And then aware of the body wash and the soft sudsiness, or a and the scratchiness. And just while you're in the shower, just be aware of the, te- the touch sensation. And then think to yourself that you're washing away your fear, your anger, your resentment. If there's something you want to let go of, really imagine washing it off of you and then look down at the drain and imagine it going down the drain, like you've just washed it off of you. And when you step out of the shower, you're leaving that worry, that fear behind you. And that's, that's something you could do easily every morning.
0: True. Yeah. Yeah. Just incorporate it. Little little moments of mindfulness all throughout the day. I love yes. That. I love that. And it really does show the power of... because. I mean, you can really feel worry melting away in that way. And it shows you how powerful our minds are to just, in little ways, and over time, doing that kind of a practice can can really make big transformations.
1: Definitely. I mean, you know, people think that they need like 30 minutes to meditate, and then no. if they get bored, then they're like, well, that – really didn't work and then they don't want to do it again but it's better to do two minutes of meditation than nothing
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and
1: so just and give yourself that opportunity just to even sit and clear your mind for two minutes and and the book has a like a bunch of different ones that was just one
0: I love that yeah and even just like a few scattered deep breaths you know so I love that this is giving people it's showing people that you really can make it a part of your life with yeah. just a few minutes here and there. And it can, I'm also a research nerd, by the way. I, uh-huh. um, I was in academia for a, a long time and <laughs> I, I read in, um, you know, like a, an, a research paper about meditation that if you just do a few minutes a day after four days, you'll start feeling a shift. You might not know exactly what's going on, but you'll you'll start feeling an emotional mental shift going on and so even just like doing that shower exercise for a few days, people would start to feel something definitely definitely well i think I think the, I think people
1: think. I think it's, you have to do something for 21 days in a row, but like anything after a couple of days, you're really going to feel like even if you started drinking more water, you would feel it in a couple of days. Or if you cut out, you know, processed food, you probably feel it in a couple of days, but the real, the real like, wow, probably happens after like 21 to 30 days. Yeah,
0: definitely. And at that point too, it's, more of a habit so you don't have to yeah it's like burden where you're like oh I should be meditating I should be doing this thing it's just something that you're kind of like oh I naturally wake up and I get in the shower what I do in the shower
1: exactly exactly you make it kind of um, link it to something you're already doing and then it becomes something that you becomes a habit
0: Mm. yeah well I love that one do you want to share another one those are fun Sure.
1: Um I'm trying to think of like the most fun ones, you know. And so, of course, what pops into my mind is I actually have a chocolate meditation.
0: What? Yes, I'm right? I'm ready for it.
1: Uh, now, you have to do it with dark chocolate because dark chocolate has something really good in it for you. It helps your like your serotonin level and everything. And, and and you have to do this in moderation. It's not like you can't do like 30 chocolate meditations in a day. You're only allowed to do one. <laughs> and, um, and you take a small chunk of the chocolate um, and you put it in your mouth. And this is what I mean by like, like a one-pointed focus with your sense, a grounding tool. It, you don't chew the chocolate. You let it melt in your mouth and for the time that it's melting, you just focus on the taste. And every time your mind goes off like chattering, it's busy chattering monkey mind thoughts, as they say, you you bring your attention back to the taste of the chocolate in your mouth. So a lot of people meditate, they stare at a candle flame, and, you know, and that maybe you get bored, but Focusing one pointed focus on chocolate, you're less likely to be bored, and and you can't um, you can't chew or anything. You just have to let it melt in your mouth, and that can take like two minutes. And that's a two minute chocolate meditation right there. Two minutes and fun to do.
0: Um, right? Um, Super. Fun. I have some dark chocolate. It's lemon ginger dark chocolate.
1: That works. That yeah. works. That sounds good. Lemon really- ginger.
0: It's really good, and there's, I think there's black pepper in it too, which oh, I would like wow. to mix. But it's delicious it's so good. So I'm gonna do this as soon as we get, as soon okay. as we're we're done here. I'm gonna run downstairs and grab my chocolate and do this meditation because that honestly that sounds
1: all right. It's so simple. It's just so simple.
0: <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that it's it's doable. It's quick. It's easy. It's simplistic. it's fun you know it's fun yeah yeah that's awesome well I I'm definitely gonna check out your book when it comes out it comes out in August yeah actually by coincidence it comes out on my son's birthday
1: August 27th so uh,
0: yeah and (laughs) tell us where we can find the book
1: it's in bookstores everywhere um Amazon if, if you are an Amazon prime person and um, and um, you know also it, I my books are sold in target and urban outfitters anthropology like all of those types of places too a lot of gift stores because I, I'm a designer as well as a, a writer and the books have a strong design element to them too mm. so they're I wanted to make the book so you know you you would want to keep it out on a coffee table, or again, like you'd want to give it to a friend as a gift, and so the books have a very strong design element to
0: it. Mm, I love that. Well, I'm so excited to read it.
1: Thank, Thank you. you
0: I'm to have a coffee as soon as it comes out, and yeah, for everyone listening who I know there's this this community here this group that listens to this podcast is definitely mindfulness oriented. And I'm sure a lot of people can find, can find, can, would love to have a little more help in how they can incorporate more little acts of mindfulness because yeah,
1: there's a lot and there's a lot in there. I just picked out, I thought like, chocolate sound like (laughs) I could only list like two for some reason I went to those two but there's a lot in there there's about essential oils and there's Mm. sounds to listen to and visual one I mean there's like something for everybody in there and they really work I mean because I've I've always had issues with anxiety and stress and these are my go-to they're like my favoritest ones and I am really excited to share these with people
0: Mm. well thank you so much and thank you for sharing with us today I really appreciate it
1: thank you and thank you for having me I really I really appreciate it thank
0: you it's been really fun I just I really admire what you what you've done and what you too your
1: risk you just moved to a whole new city and you're
0: (laughs) fantastic Oh, well, thank you so much. And yeah, I, I've, I've loved hearing your story. And I can't wait to keep following along with your journey. And
1: well, and likewise, you're very inspiring. So thank you.
0: Well, for everyone listening, I will have links down below with how you can find Karen, how you can find the book. And yeah, go check her out. Check out her social media, her website, all of her other books. They're super helpful. So Thank you all for listening in and I hope you have a great day.